All right, James, James, James. We'll read verses 1 and 2, just verses 1 and 2. So we'll do our <laughs> intro tonight as we begin looking at the book of James. Just the verse 2 verses say this, James 1, verse 1 says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. James, <laughs> let's pray next. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we thank you for uh, your mercy and grace. And Lord, I'm glad that you're a shelter in the time of storm. Lord, I'm glad we have a place to flee, a refuge, uh, Lord, to protect us from the storm, to protect us from the enemy. Lord, even to protect us from ourselves, <laughs> dear Lord. We're so thankful for that. And thank you for the, as the song said, the things you've taught us. And uh, Lord, the things that you've done on our behalf and uh, in us and through us and Lord, we just, uh, as uh, Ari sang the other night, dear God, we have so much to be uh, thankful for. And uh, Lord, we just uh, uh, praise you for that. Lord, we do want to be a praising people. We want people to hear your voice. And that happens when we rejoice, uh, like the song said. And so, Lord, help us to be a, 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 a thankful people. And Lord, uh, just, uh, uh, Lord, we're so uh, thankful, Lord, that your grace is sufficient, whatever comes our way. And uh, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for saving us. I thank you for watching over us. And Lord, that you've got us up to this point. And so, Lord, you'll get us the rest of the way. And uh, Lord, again, I pray if there's somebody listening or somebody here tonight. Again, we just don't want to assume it's Sunday night and everybody's saved. Lord, if there's somebody here listening that's not saved, Lord, even tonight, uh, work in that heart. Under, uh, Lord, give uh, uh, people the help uh, that they need. And Lord, may our desire be towards you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so uh, we look here and we begin uh, with the, uh, the book of uh, uh, James here and uh, give a little uh, introduction here. Of course, the book of James is a practical book challenging Christians. Amen. And that's what uh, we need to be challenged. Christians to live out the Christian life. Amen. You know, the Bible says, work out your own salvation. Well, how do you work it out? You work it out by living it out. Amen. Uh, being active. And so you can see when you're challenged to live it, you can see why patience and wisdom would be mentioned at the beginning, right? Because it takes uh, patience uh, to live the Christian life in this world. It takes wisdom uh, to live it. Now, this book was believed to be written around A.D. Uh, 45. Uh, uh, just if you want a year and just a couple thoughts to give you on the book, it's believed to be written around A.D. 45. And the key phrase, if you will, is about being doers of the word. We know, and everybody knows that verse, be doers of the word, but also in that same chapter where you need to remember, it says being doers of the work, which we'll look at that too, because you can't be a doer of the word without being a doer of the work. And then the key thought of this book is the practice of faith, the practice of faith. You have faith, now put it into practice on a daily, uh, uh, in your daily life. And the uh, thought, if you will, or spiritual thought is to prove again, your faith in your life, Right. God's going to put you to the test and prove your faith uh, in and through your life and to teach us that saving faith will manifest itself. In other words, if you've really been saved by faith and by the grace of God, then it ought to be <laughs> manifest. And so this uh, amazing epistle, if you will, puts uh, the, the Bible or puts Christianity into shoe leather, if you will, teaching us again to have a belief that behaves. Every believer should have a heart's desire 
uh, to demonstrate and be an example of the Christian life, again, by living it out and working out the life Christ purchased for them. Amen. He purchased you, but he also purchased a life for you to live down here on earth. And we need to live out that life. Amen. He gave his blood for it. And so uh, as we look at some things here about uh, the man James, right? Of course, we know he's the human uh, uh, penman of the epistle, but you know we don't uh, uh, give him uh, the credit. You know, they said it was written by men. Well, I don't know. Have you ever written anybody a letter? What would you think if you wrote somebody uh, a letter? You know, maybe you had a nice, fancy uh, 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 Blanc pen or something. You know, man, you wrote somebody a nice letter. And so somebody wrote back. So oh, I got a letter back from them. And they wrote a letter to your pen. <laughs> Say, I just want to thank you, Mont Blanc, for that nice words of encouragement uh, that uh, you uh, sent to me and that stuff. You'd think that was kind of funny, wouldn't you? He said, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm going to call that guy up. I wrote that letter. I just used my pen as an instrument, amen, uh, to put it down. And that's all uh, these men, though we, we respect and we're thankful for these godly men that were used. Amen. We know that the author, of course, is God. But uh, who is this uh, uh, man, James? Of course, we believe uh, he was uh, the one that wrote. There are several people named James as you read the Gospels. But of course, we believe it was the one that was the brother of Jesus. And of course, uh, we know that at first his brothers didn't believe. And it's uh, believed that James, he got saved after the resurrection. If you read over there in Corinthians, it says, and was seen of James. It's sort of Interesting how it singles him out when it talks about those that were seen of the risen Christ. And it says, and by James. And so uh, he got saved. Thank God for that. But here we see uh, uh, it amazing that he called himself the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So at first he didn't want to recognize uh, who his brother was. But once he got saved, see that change of heart, he had no problem saying that, hey, uh, yeah, that's my brother. But oh, you know what? He's my Lord. Uh, 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 brother Wood talked about that a little bit this morning in Sunday school, right? He's my Lord and I willingly surrender my uh, life to him. So uh, in this epistle, again, we discover how Christians uh, uh, were expected to live expected to live. Amen. That is, God does have an expected way for us to live. It's just not like we get saved. Forget about it. God expects some things uh, from us. And you know what? If we're saved, we should expect those things from ourselves, uh, if you will. So the Lord uh, uh, Jesus told his disciples in the world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And so uh, as we, uh, 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 as we uh, look at uh, uh, James here, uh, we need to uh, notice some things about James. One, he's believed to be the pastor of the first New Testament local church. It's believed that he was the pastor of the first New Testament local church. Now, uh, of course, uh, uh, we'll, we'll look at that um, in a minute. But, you know, uh, so he was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, it's mentioned. Now, I'm not sure what the name of the first church was. It doesn't say. I mean, it could have been the, just simply the first Baptist church in Jerusalem. I don't know. You know, if it might have been the First Baptist Church, I was trying to think, what would be a good name for that first church? The First Baptist Church of Jerusalem or Golgotha Baptist Church? That sounds pretty good. Amen. Or uh, Church of the Empty Tomb or Empty Tomb Baptist Church? I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, 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 or I like this one. We were the last ones to see them, Baptist Church. How do you like that one? Amen. I don't know. I don't know if they came up with a, with a, with a name there, but we know that they were the Church of Jerusalem. 
uh, the Bible says. Let's look at a couple verses uh, concerning uh, uh, that recognized James and seem to show that he had must have had some type of position of authority within the church. So uh, let's uh, Acts 15. Acts 15. You remember they had that council there, and uh, it's mentioned when they came together in Acts 15. Now, it's believed that the epistle of James was written before they had uh, this, uh, this uh, council there. But Acts 15, 13 says this, And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. So obviously they, they discuss some things, and then they, they look to James. Normally you look to the leadership, right, uh, to see, they hear what they have to say about it. So here they got together, and they were discussing these issues. Right. And then they look to uh, uh, the pastor or the leadership of the group there. And so they mentioned James answered and then uh, turn back to Acts 12, Acts 12. Now, you remember one of the events in Acts 12, what happened? Uh, Peter was put in prison. <laughs> That's so amazing. That angel came. Uh, that angel came in there and man, he <laughs> I mean, he was just trusting God. Uh, uh, man, the, the, I, if I remember, right, the angel had to, you know, wake up, Peter. Amen. He was always falling asleep. He fell asleep on the mountain, found, uh, uh, Mount of Transfiguration. He fell asleep in the garden. Man, uh, uh, it must be easy just to be able to. I'm not one of those people who just walk in and fall asleep. I always have to wind down. So it says, now when Peter was released from prison there, it mentions in, in 12, notice what it says in verse 17. Remember, he went to, was it Rhoda's house he went to? And, and uh, man, they were just uh, all excited. They couldn't believe that their prayers were answered. Do you ever feel that way? God ever do something? You're like, man, he actually heard. He actually answered. Awesome. Just like the Bible said. Acts 12, 17 says, But he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, notice this statement, go show these things unto James. Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. So even though, of course, uh, Peter was one of the disciples and he walked with the Lord long before uh, 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 James, he recognized, obviously, James was in a position of authority. And so he recognized that and said, hey, go tell, you know, go tell the pastor and the rest of the church all right, uh, what the Lord did on my behalf. And again, we know that he got saved uh, much earlier than James. And so that's, a, that's an important thing, right? I don't know what, what, if they had an age difference, but, you know, uh, uh, you know, some people say, well, you know, I've been saved a lot younger than that young whippersnapper, whatever. Listen, uh, more important is, you know, who God chooses and who God puts in a position of, uh, 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 of authority. You know, I've always tried to uh, uh, show respect to, uh, uh, to my uh, 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 pastors. I've tried. To, I don't know if I've I've had a, had a, a pastor younger than me, but I've always had showed great respect to my pastors. And if the Lord ever gives me a, a pastor younger than me, you know what? I'm not going to treat him any different than I treated my first pastor. Every pastor I've had, because uh, what's important to me is not if he got saved after me. Or uh, uh, his age, my, my, the reason uh, I was showing that respect is because, hey, that, uh, God's uh, put him in the ministry. God's giving that position, and I'll honor that position and show respect. And we see that with Peter. Even though he was obviously saying before James, he showed him that respect with leadership right there. And, of course, that's the right thing, uh, the right thing to do there. And so uh, that is uh, interesting. And even notice uh, uh, Paul. Uh, after uh, uh, he was uh, being greatly used of the Lord, turn over to Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter twenty-one. 
Acts chapter 21. And notice a couple verses here. He mentions about when he went to Jerusalem. And notice what he says. We'll just look at verses 17 and 18 of Acts 21. Say this. And when we were come to Jerusalem and the brethren received us gladly and the day following, look at this, Paul went in with us unto James. Again, James being recognized as that position of leadership and all the elders were present. So, hey, there were other uh, uh, men there, uh, great men of God, obviously, mentions, says elders, but James was the only name mentioned there. So it must show that he had some a position of, of authority, even though you don't maybe see the term pastor, you see that he's recognized as, as a leader there. And so God uh, used him. God used him. So what a, what a, a wonderful thing that is. Now it says here uh, in verse one, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, uh, greeting. Uh, turn over to Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter eight here. And we go through this as a, as, as, as a lesson here. Acts chapter eight. It says this, you know, uh, it talks about Saul. It says, and Saul was consenting unto his death. Of course, talking about Stephen there in Acts 7. And at the time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Notice, persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, which we just mentioned that we believe James was the pastor of. And look at this. And they were all, what is that? Scattered abroad. Right there it is. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now, remember, most of these are, remember, uh, uh, Acts is a book of transition, right? Now, we know that it mostly become, the church is mostly Gentile now, but of course, when it started off, it was mostly Jewish, right? They were Jewish believers, especially, you know, if it would have been right there in Jerusalem. So, uh, of course, and all, all these believers come from, had come from different tribes, Right. Well, we know even in Pentecost, right, there were people uh, from all different tribes and uh, all different uh, places. And so and they were scattered abroad. Look at this throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, again, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. And in verse four, therefore, they were what scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching uh, the word. So we see that uh, believers, uh, uh, Jewish believers, uh, were scattered all, all over the place. So uh, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, he, he's, he's writing these and he's writing, of course, uh, the Jews here. So these scattered abroad are among those, among those perhaps James is writing to. But we see this first church. So I want to talk about uh, the church for a moment. And of course, the church began it talks about that church in Jerusalem. And of course, you know, people uh, have different views on when the church started. Well, I'll uh, tell you what I think. The church, of course, began, I believe, with Christ and his disciples. And then it was empowered at Pentecost. Some people say it started there. Well, I believe the church already uh, existed personally. But turn over to Matthew 16. And of course, uh, uh, Christ, while he's upon the earth, mentioned the church a few times. I mean, uh, he, of course, he says here he's going to build his church. But, you know, he gave church discipline while he was still uh, uh, upon, upon the earth. And he didn't make it sound like, oh, hey, one day I'm going to do this thing. I believe he was starting it then. Matthew 16, beginning in verse uh, 
uh, uh, 13. We'll start there. And when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said then, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon answered, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I love that. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, of flesh and blood, have not uh, revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Here it is, verse 18. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, of course, we know the church is an organized group that the Lord said uh, uh, one could speak to. Amen. And, uh, and uh, so uh, God uh, organized uh, the church. And uh, listen, never underestimate what God can do through the church. It says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And that's uh, that, 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 that thought right there. What does it show? It shows the church is supposed to be offensive, not defensive. Right. I mean, uh, I've walked by a lot of gates and uh, so far not one has jumped at me and attacked. Right. <laughs> uh, come after me. But we're supposed to go after right, the gates. We're supposed to be willing to storm the gates of hell, if you will, or the strongholds. That's a good example of, uh, of saying that, that it's our responsibility as a church to be on the offenses and storming, amen, the strongholds that Satan, amen, would have in our community or have in homes of the church or whatever the case might be. We're supposed to be offensive as a church. So he founded the church and he wants the church to be an offensive group. But now, as far as the church is concerned, the Bible teaches that the first church always required saved membership. Boy, I wish a lot of places that call themselves a church would, would uh, uh, recognize that. You show up a couple times and, and smile at somebody, amen, and uh, they're ready to make you a member. But we know that the members of the church, of course, are to be saved, to be saved. It's required. And so uh, look at Acts chapter 2. We see that, of course, there. Acts 2, it says, verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, right? They got saved and they were baptized. What does hinder me to be baptized, right? Believest thou with all thine heart? Thou mayest. Oh, I believe. Okay, you can get baptized. And the same day there were added unto them. Notice that statement, unto them added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You see, I think that's great that it mentions right away doctrine, right? Uh, 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 doctrine still matters. Doctrine is still uh, important. It matters uh, what, we, uh, what we believe and that we stand on that and that uh, when people become a member of our church, that they, they, they need to know uh, where we stand on things. They need to know what we believe. Now, uh, I don't think everybody necessarily has to believe it to join the church because you got to give people, you know, somebody just gets saved. Say, well, I'm glad you got saved. Uh, uh, you know, in five years, after you got all these things down, we'll let you join the church. <laughs> no, that's, that's not what happened here, right? But people need to understand, you know, we've had uh, people that join the church and, and I, everybody that's joined the church, at least since I've been here, I, I make them read, amen, our, our doctrines and statement of faith, right? They, I, the first thing they do when they say they want to join the church is I hand them one of those. I said, read through this. You got any questions? Get with me. And they, they uh, 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 get the question. They say, well, I've never heard this. I've had people say, well, I've never heard this before. I don't understand that or, you know, whatever. And I, I, I explained to them. I said, uh, listen, 
uh, you know, I mean, they, they at least have to be show that they have a teachable heart to join. But maybe they don't understand those things. I said, but listen, uh, we, I re- we realize maybe you need to learn some of the things. Maybe you need to grow. But you need to realize this is where the church stands on these things. And we're not moving for these things. Right now, of course, if if they want to teach or have a position church, then they have to you know, we have to make sure that they understand those things and that they agree with them. Right. But when people join as a member, you got to give people room to grow and to to uh, uh, learn uh, in those things. Now, if, if people some, all of a sudden somebody joined, and all of a sudden they made a big fuss about something. Well, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to have to have a talk with them. Right. Because we're not going to put up with that. But, you know, you need to be willing to work with people and let them uh, 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 grow and let them know where you stand. But you need to you need to be careful and make sure that people are joining the church because they 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 they, they you know, uh, appreciate your stand and they appreciate what you teach and things. Because I've noticed, uh, uh, you know, I, I've seen my, my friends, they get caught off on some sidetrack thing and then people start coming to their church because of that sidetrack thing and people start joining their church because that sidetrack thing and they're all caught up in that. And then the next thing they know, people are coming up and ask them and say, well, hey, uh, we noticed that you're, you're, you're a constitution or whatever it is or Bible say that, you know, you only use the, 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 the King James Bible. You know, uh, don't, can, can we add something else to that? You know, or, uh, you know, we see it says this. Well, you know, don't you think there ought to be a little leeway there? Like, you know, uh, listen, don't ever come up on your mind. Just say, you might as well not even come up and ask, ask me, ask me those, ask me those things. Right. I mean, if you have questions about them, fine. But, you know, as far as far as we're never going to we're never going to uh, uh, change uh, some of those things. Maybe you can change, uh, you know, a word. But when it comes uh, to a doctrine, listen. Uh, I, I, as far as I know, uh, I, I, I believe uh, the same as I've always believed, and I believe as strongly about it as I always believed. Now I try to be a little bit nicer than I used to be, and I used, to, you know, I used to be kind of—I don't know if I was ever mean about it, but you know. But I try to be nicer to people over the years. But I, you know, uh, I think when people talk to me, you know, uh, I'm a lot, a lot of more conservative, a lot of errors than people even realize I am, you know, because I, I'm not somebody that beats people over the head or, or gets caught up on a pet peeve or anything. But uh, and not that I'm afraid to teach anything or say what I uh, uh, believe about about something. But listen, doctrine is still important. I didn't mean to get sidetracked on that, but glad I did. But listen, in 2022, doctrine is still important in the local church. And we don't want to back up or compromise anything concerning that. And just like I always have about the King James Bible, it's not a King James Bible, you can burn it. That's how I've always said that for almost 35 years. And I, hey, that's still uh, what I believe. The King James Bible, don't know why I'm talking about that, but that's all right, uh, is the only thing I consider the Word of God in the, uh, the English language. And don't uh, plan on changing that anyways. Uh, anyways, I better get, get moving forward here. And fellowship. Amen. I'm glad we still have the good doctrine. I'm glad we still enjoy fellowship. I'm glad we still break bread together. I'm glad we still pray together. And notice verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all people. What? And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be what? Saved. Listen, to join a church, hey, we, we want to have anybody in this church, amen, is, but we want to make sure they're saved and they understand where we stand doctrinally on things. Even if they're not yet, we're willing to teach them. We're willing to help them grow. We're willing to help them learn, amen. We're willing to disciple them. But first of all, we want to make sure they're scripturally saved, scripturally baptized, and then we want to ground them 
in the scriptures. And notice that it said, verse 20, 41 said, added to them and added to the church. Because what is a church? A church is of them. Amen. It's a group of saved, uh, uh, organized, baptized people. So, and the Lord continues to do his work around the world through the local church. Now, again, people have some different views about when the church started. Personally, I think that Christ uh, started while he was on earth and then again empowered on the day of Pentecost. And the first church recognized that Christ only was the head of the church. I don't know how people got off sidetracked with Peter being the head of the church and all that stuff. But the, the first church recognized Christ as the only head. Let me give you a, a couple of verses. Colossians 1.18. Colossians 1.18 says this. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Right? And we want him to have preeminence in the church. Christ is the only head of the church. Jude 1.3 says this. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you, of the common salvation, it was need for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You see, uh, Christ is the head of the church, and at one time he delivered the faith unto us, and our job in every generation is to stand for it and to stand with it. Next, the church, right, was declared to get, be the pillar and ground of truth. The pillar and ground of truth. First Timothy 3.15 says, Try to hurry up here. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself. Hey, it matters. There it is again. It matters how you behave yourself in the church. It matters how the church behaves itself. Right? These things, uh, uh, these things matter. Right? They're, suppo they're supposed to be a certain, uh, a certain way the church conducts itself. They're supposed to be a certain way that believers conduct themselves. Uh, uh, These things matter. I don't care how uh, relaxed the world is getting about things. Listen, we want to love people. We want to care for uh, uh, people, right? But we want to stand strong on the word of God. We want to stand strong on the way of salvation and the way uh, uh, that what it takes to be a member of the church and the responsibilities of a local church. It, that these things matter in 2022 to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground. Look at this of the truth. This is the pillar and ground of the truth. Now turn over to uh, 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 three John, third John, John three, three John, little John, three John, however you want to call it, three John, right? First, second, third John, first, second, third John, right? In verse eight, verse eight, look at what it says here. We therefore ought to receive such, notice how this verse ends, that we might be what? Fellow helpers to the truth, right? The church is the pillar and ground of truth. And we as members of the church are supposed to be helpers to the church. Amen. <laughs> the church, amen, is the pillar and ground of uh, the truth. We're responsible for the truth. And our job as members of the church, believers of the church, is to be helpers to the truth. Amen. To get that truth out. To stand on that truth and to get that truth out. Listen, uh, the world has no lack of knowledge, Right. Well, it's probably in knowledge overload, if you will, right? I mean, about everything is out there. 
But despite access to so much knowledge, it still finds itself falling short in the area of understanding truth. Well, listen, it's not Google's responsibility, amen, uh, to give truth out there, right? You, you, you Google truth, you're not, you're not going to get the right thing, right? Uh, or, or any other tech companies or, or whatever, or other institution. The only institution that's responsible, amen, to preserve the truth and get out the truth is the church. Right. We have the truth, the word of God. Thy word is truth. Amen. Jesus, when he prayed in John 17, what did he say? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We are responsible for the truth. Amen. He delivered that to the church. And so it's the church is the preserver of the truth. We're supposed to stand on it and get it out. And our job is to be helpers to the truth. Next, the church has always been, it was at the beginning, and it still needs to be today in 2022, an independent congregation. Turn over to Acts 13. Turn over to Acts 13. And of course, uh, we, we, we see these things. Now, uh, Acts 13.1, of course, says, now the church, look at this. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch. Now, we just talked about James being the pastor of the church that was in Jerusalem. Now we see another local church, the church that was in Antioch. And nowhere uh, in the Bible does it say that the church in Antioch was a campus church from the church in Jerusalem. Nowhere does it say that. It doesn't say the campus. Oh, yeah, uh, 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 James there, the pastor church in Jerusalem. Uh, hey, hey, uh, Peter, why are you over that way? Will you check on our campus in Antioch? No, that's not the way it works, right? <laughs> Each one was an independent uh, uh, church, right? The church were in the church that was at Antioch. Certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, it was called Nigeria and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Look at this. The Holy Ghost said... Separate me, Barnes and Saul, for the work run to I have called them. And when they, whose they? The church had fasted and prayed, laid their hands on them. Who laid their hands on these people that the Holy Spirit came and said, I want to send out the church. The church fasted and prayed. The church laid hands and recognized their calling upon, uh, uh, God's calling upon the life. That's the church's responsibility. When, it, when a young person says that God's called me into the ministry, the church should recognize that call upon their life. Uh, the, you know, in my office, I, I have an, ordin, uh, an ordination. Most, a lot of times when a young man's called to the ministry, he's really not, normally not ordained till he goes out into his first ministry. If he's going to be a missionary, he's normally ordained right before he leaves for the mission field. Right. As a rule, I'm just saying as a rule. And then if he's going to be a pastor, a lot of times he's ordained maybe before he takes his uh, uh, first church or assists at a church or something. Right. But, you know, uh, a few years before I had ordination, I have what's called a license that I got from the church I was saved in. And then I, I got called to preach in that church. And what that is, that license was just my local church at the time. 
right? Recognizing that, that, that uh, God's call upon my life. They were saying through that license, if you will, hey, we as Cornerstone Baptist Church, we've seen Brother Stewart get saved here. He, he, he's, he said he's called to preach. Now, they didn't give me that the next day, right? But they, they, they saw me there for a couple and then they gave me a line and said, hey, we want to publicly recognize that we believe God's call is upon this young man's life. The local church did that. And so that's a, a, something good for the local church to do. Lay their hands on them, and then what? They sent them away, right? The, see, see where the emphasis is? They fasted and prayed. They laid their hands. They, God's authority is in the local church. God's authority is in the local church. You say, you know, I've heard people say, uh, like, you know, uh, uh, people that get out of church and, and say, well, hey, brother, why don't you come to church on Wednesday night anymore? I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says go to church on Wednesday night. You're right. It says they went every day back then. We backslid. We got it down to two days. And you know what I tell them? I said, well, you know what? It doesn't say go to church on Wednesday, right? But you know what? Here's what I'll be. God gave his authority to the church. And as a local body of believers, right, uh, that local body of believers has made the decision that they want to organ, meet organize, in an organized way on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Those are the times that that local church has, has decided that they want to meet together as the, that local church. And because, amen, I'm a member of that local church, I've submitted myself to God's authority and God's authorities in my life. And I recognize the local church is one of God's authorities in my life. So if I'm saying I want to be a member of that local church, then I'm saying I'm going to submit to their decisions as a body of believers of when uh, they want to meet or whatever it is they decide as a local as a local church. And people need to recognize that. I recognize you don't have any authority in my life. Well, you know what? Uh, the, the church has authority in my life. I recognize the Bible is having authority in my life. I recognize God is having authority in my life. And I recognize the local church as having authority. In my, you know why you never see church discipline anymore? I don't want to get sidetracked, but that's all right. Because people don't recognize properly the authority of the local church in their life. If people were, were, were as biblical and godly as they should be as Christians, right, then they would recognize the, the, the authority of the local church to have church discipline in their life. That is in the Bible. And that is a responsibility of the local church. But because people don't take God seriously, the word of God seriously, amen, and their Christian life seriously, then they're certainly not going to take the church seriously and the biblical authority that it has in their life. That doesn't mean that uh, they're supposed to, you know, uh, uh, be, be dictators. I'll uh, uh, get sidetracked on that in a minute, but that is Bible. As far as I'm concerned, that's Bible. And I want to, I'm not ashamed to say, I recognize the authority authority of the local church. Why? I don't just come here Sunday morning, say night, Wednesday. I say, well, you have to because you're the pastor. Well, I do it because I'm submitted to the authority of my local church in my life. I recognize that authority and I'm willing to submit to it. So when people have a problem showing up Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night and being faithful to the local church, you know what that shows me? That shows me that they're not serious about God's authority 
in their life. Don't know why I got off on this, but I don't really care that I did. I think it's important for people to hear, right? You people that are showing me that they're not serious about God's authority in their life. And when I see people that are faithful Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and when they can't make it, they're willing to call and, and let them know that, hey, man, I hate to miss, but this happened or that happened. You know what they're showing me? They're showing me that they love God and they're submitted to his authority, right? They love the word of God and they're submitted to authority and they love their church and they recognize that as an authority in their life and God has his proper place uh, in their life. Well, amen on that. So we see that. So, that, that, right, they were, a lo- so getting back to this, the church at Antioch, they were a local independent church. Look, when they did this, they consulted no other group they didn't call another church. They didn't call another headquarters. Now, wait a minute. These men say that God's calling to do something here. Uh, listen, uh, uh, listen, let's see. We don't have email or text yet and uh, my cell phone. So I guess I'm going to have to get on my camel and uh, go up to Jerusalem. And, you know, so I'll, I'll be back in a few days. Right. <laughs> right. No, they didn't consult any other group. They were guided by nothing but what? God's word, God's will and the Holy Spirit, which is how a local church is supposed to be guided. It was supposed to be guided. Well, let me move on. The church, right? The first church and the way church should be today was given and took responsibility for uh, uh, evangelization of the world, right? It's the responsibility of each local church, amen, to start other churches around the world. We must accomplish the mission, right? Greenville, South Carolina, United States, everybody. Listen, every church... And Greenville should have that thought in their mind because every church as a local church has that same responsibility. We're not the only ones that have that responsibility. Each local church has that responsibility. Of course, uh, Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnessing unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the innermost part of the world. Of course, our Jerusalem you know, some people take that literally in the sense like, oh, we got to start in uh, Jerusalem. No, I mean, Lord's putting churches all over the place. Greenville is our Jerusalem. All right. And I want you to notice something. Turn over to Acts 14. Now, we just saw in Acts 13, right, the local church sent them out. The local church sent them out and they went on their mission trip and then they came back from their mission trip. In Acts 14, you see when they came back from their mission trip and look what it says. We'll just look at verses 26 and 27. And when they got done, it says, thence they sailed to Antioch. Notice the statement. From whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which what they fulfilled. And when they, verse 27, and when they were come and had what? Gathered the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith and the Gentiles. Now, listen, they went out there and look at this. God used them mightily. God used them mightily. But you know what? They, they went out there and God used them mightily. You know what? They didn't get the big head about it. When they came back, they still submitted to their local church. You know what? Missionaries need to recognize that. They don't need to think, oh, well, you know, I've been over in this country and I'll do this. Now, you know, now I'm, a, I'm my own man of God. No, you're not a man of God unless you're submitted to God's authority. God, the word of God in your local church. You know, and any missionary that gets that attitude, he needs to be talked to, amen, by his pastor or somebody else, amen, to straighten him out. Listen, uh, every time I came, every time I came home from uh, on furlough, you know what? I submitted, amen, I went straight back to my church and submit, I submitted to the authority of my pastor, right, while I was in the States. And uh, you know what? Now, here, 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 here I'll get a, uh, this is a thing I don't want to discuss it, but a lot of times when a missionary 
goes to the mission field, they talk about, well, where should the, the, the missionary uh, tithe? Should the, should the missionaries tithe come back to the church? Now there's pastors that demand for that missionary to send his tithe uh, back to the local church, right? They demand that missionary to send his pastor. Well, you know, you know. now, uh, uh, personally, uh, uh, I, I, personally, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I think, I think if he's over there, I think if he's doing a work, right, and he's starting a church over there, then that's where that should go. That should go to that church, right, that he's, he's getting going there, right, because what he's doing, he's helping the church. I know missionaries that double tithe because their pastor is so strict. They, they tie to the, they're sending church and they tie to the, the church that they're pastoring while they're a missionary over there. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't understand that. But my, personally, my rule was, and the rule that I would have for any missionary at a church is this. You know, when you have a work going, you have a church going, you put your money there. But if you're in between, the money comes back to the local church. That's the way I always did it. as a missionary for 25 years. When I was starting a church, uh, I, I used that, that, that money. Really, 10% was nothing. Everything I had went into, into the ministry and into the church when I was on the mission field, right? Everything was about uh, the church and getting the gospel out. But when, if I was in between ministries, if you will, or if, when I was back in the States, where'd I, it went, it went, it went to, uh, to uh, the local uh, church there recognizing the authority. And here you see they recognized the authority of the local church when they came back. Let's finish with this. The church, again, as we saw with James, was what? Was a pastor-led church. 1 Timothy 3, 1. This is a true saying. If a man, what? Desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. It's a good work, amen, to be in the ministry. It's a, uh, uh, but who, who's worthy Amen. To be in the ministry of the Lord. First Peter 5, 2 says this, feed the flock of God, which is among you. Look at this. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Feed uh, uh, the, the flock. Listen, uh, the, the, the pastor Right. As far as God's under shepherd, he's the he's the authority. And really, he's as far as humanly, he's the only ordained authority uh, in the church. Not to get sidetracked again by this. Uh, uh, sure, there's a position of deacons. But listen, the, the position of a deacon is not a position of authority in a church. That's really got messed up in churches, too, especially among uh, 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 Southern Baptist churches. A lot of Southern Baptist churches now, they're run by the it's run by the deacons. That's not biblical. God's not in that. Right now, the, the Bible teaches that the, 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 that a church should have a deacon if it's needful. Right. There's a place for that. A, a deacon is to be respected. Listen, uh, I, 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 I respect uh, our, our deacons. I think uh, I thank God for them and they're, they're to be respected there. I think men of God like that are are to be honored. But just to keep it according to the Bible, they need to realize, uh, 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 though, you know, we may use them and, and, and seek guidance and things like that. That's fine. That's fine. But there is not a position of authority as far as, you know, uh, the Bible teaches the authority. Right. Is the pastor is the leadership there. That's Bible. But thank God that he did give that position. Amen. That we could have godly men and put them in that position to honor them and then use them to be a blessing to the church and a help 
to the church. But, every, but, but the people uh, need to understand, and that's, that's not as big of a problem among independent Baptist churches, but it's a real problem uh, uh, you see in, in Southern Baptist churches. Another reason probably why a lot of people pulled out of that. Anyways, uh, getting back, and I want to say about a pastor. A pastor, listen, uh, he, he, he's a shepherd. A shepherd cares for the sheep. Well, anything that makes uh, uh, me mad is, is a pastor that thinks, you know, thinks he's somebody and he has some uh, great authority over people's lives. And, and you know, it's, it's my way or, or, or the highway. Listen, uh, I, don't, I don't want to get thinking about that. That makes me mad. That makes me mad. I know Brother Wood uh, sent, me, sent me a video and I said, if I could have reached that video and punched that guy in the face, I'd have done it. You say, you really think? Yeah, I think like that because they're hurting God's people. They're hurting, amen, God's ordained ministry. You know, I see, I, I go to meetings and I see some pastor get up like he, or some preacher get up like he's something. Hey, I, I'm not talking about hard preaching. I don't know, hey, you preach as hard as you want, I'm for it. But some preacher that has some attitude or think like he's going to jump in people's face. And, you know, my, I, listen, I, I, God's not in it as far as I'm concerned. It's wrong. It's wrong. A pastor should should stand uh, strong uh, for what he believes. He shouldn't back up. Right. And, and, and nothing wrong with whether, you, you know, you, you can like it, bump it or jump it. As far as that concerns, listen, I'm not going to change what I believe. I'm not going to uh, compromise. If you don't like it, OK, then then throw me out the door. But I, but saying that in the right spirit. Amen. Listen, your job, uh, pastor, is is to love people. You are a servant. Listen, listen, uh, listen. Sure, if you want to look at, okay, God's given the pastor position and should recognize that authority in your life, but the pastor should recognize that he's there to be your servant. Above all else, you know what I am? I'm your servant. That's why I'm glad when you call me and tell me you have a need and, and I can come help with that or I can come do that or I, I can pray for you. That's what I, I care about. It's not about, oh, how many uh, people can I, whatever. I mean, pastors that, 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 that think that way, as far as I'm concerned, that's wicked. That's wicked. That's not a spirit of God. That's a spirit out of hell, as far as I'm concerned. It, God's not in that. Listen, if a, if a pastor, he if he doesn't love people and have a heart for people and, and want to just, just be there no matter what's going on in their life, how in the world that God in his grace calls some man or somebody into the ministry, and boy, they get a big head about it, or they get hotter, they, they think they're something. Listen, uh, listen. Uh, I used to get mad when my stepdad growed up, would tell me when I was a kid, you're, you're going to grow up and you're going to be nothing. But you know what? I don't get mad. I find out he was right. I'm a nothing. Amen? And so it's a privilege to serve the Lord. It's a privilege to serve God's people. But at the same time, we have to recognize the Bible way of doing things. And so uh, uh, we don't want to back away from the God's authority. We don't want to be afraid to mention God's authority because that's God's ways of doing things, right? Somebody has to, to, to be in charge. Well, at the end of the day, God's in charge, the Word of God. Amen. You know, uh, the pastor's just there to get there the church a little bit early and flip the lights on and make sure the air conditioner's working. That's his job, amen, and uh, get up and say a few things. But God's way was to have a pastor-led church, amen? So uh, let me finish up with this. Here's a good verse showing the church's mission. I love this verse. Colossians 1.28 says, Whom we preach, talking about Jesus, warning every man, 
teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present everyone. What is our desire as a local church? Our desire as a local church is to preach the word, to get the word of God to every man. Our desire as a local church, Colossians 1, 28, is to warn every man. Our desire as a local church is to teach every man in all wisdom. And our desire as a local church is that we might present every man that God gives us perfect in Christ Jesus. So as we look at the church and its beginning, we must make sure that we are following and maintaining and standing for God's way of doing things as outlined in his word. We see these, these uh, things. I know I've showed them before, but it's good to keep before us of, of the way the first church was and say, hey, uh, 2,000 years later, do we still see that that's the way we're doing things? We expect our church members uh, to be baptized, right? We're an independent uh, 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 local uh, uh, church, amen? Uh, we, we, uh, we're helpers of the truth. We're holding on uh, to the truth, amen? We recognize God's authorities in our life, and we're trying to do our part, amen, uh, to get the gospel out to the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we look at the big book of James, we look at James as the pastor of the first church and say, hey, I, I want to be a pastor like that, and I want our church to be uh, a church like that. And as we uh, go through the book of James and we see these practical things, say, amen, Lord, help those things to be active in my life. Let's pray.